and welcome to the week five edition of the Lions Megapod. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Andrus. It is Adam Candy each and every week going through every one of these games. Going to give you the bets that are in our accounts, the reason we don't have them in our accounts, or if we have any strong leans, and they might end up in our accounts. All of that gets talked about here on this very podcast. We do it every single week absolutely free, so please go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. Give us a thumbs up and then let us know what is your favorite bet of the week? What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Hey, you know you want to tell us, so just let us know. We just want to do everything we can to try to make some money here this NFL season. Guys, been doing pretty well so far, so let's kick things off right again over in London. And it is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. Five and a half as we record this early on Saturday morning. 48 and a half is the total. Adam, we saw... Uh, this Bills team looked like a just absolute truck last week. Josh Allen has since the first game in which we were like, oh boy, here goes Josh Allen hucking it all over the field again. And instead, all he's done is thrown eight touchdowns, one interception. This guy's just, this guy's absolutely fantastic. And then the Jags go over to London. They get to stay over in London, get the job done last week in all of this. Five and a half, kind of that dead ish number that we have on the Bills. I feel like this is a game, Matt, that you have to decide what your eyes have seen versus what the numbers tell you on each side of this, right? Like the Bills have done it. We've watched them do it this year in what was supposed to be the game of the young season. They won by 28 against one of the best teams in the league. So that being the case, I've seen it with Buffalo. Now, on the other side of this with Jacksonville, You and I were both very confident in Jacksonville last week, and I felt very happy about getting that uh, that win. However, I'm still not sure that Jacksonville is on the level that we thought Jacksonville was going to be before this season. They still struggled offensively. They just got the better side of turnovers last week against the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons look pretty rough. So there are a lot of things in the favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars that tell you that they should be getting things back together here their line gets back the way that it was intended to be before the season cam robinson returns at left tackle that strengthens multiple positions as you kick a player back inside now you've got multiple positions shored up on the other side of this with buffalo now you have to figure out what this defense looks at looks like without trey white and that is an enormous loss for buffalo they might add von miller back in this week we'll see we'll see if he's back up to full speed long story short actually make this game closer to Buffalo three, three and a half because of the fact that my prior on Jacksonville remains strong. I still think, as I was saying, that we're going to see what's inside the numbers for Jacksonville before long. And obviously, this is a terrible travel spot for Buffalo as they lose a home game, having to go over to London and play a Jacksonville team that's already there. I don't have anything on it right now. The the questions about the Buffalo defense in particular and about the Jacksonville play calling are enough for me to want to set this one out and see if I can learn a little bit more. Steven, we have Trevor Lawrence. We mentioned this last week that Trevor Lawrence, if you look at the advanced statistics, has actually been pretty good so far this year. He is still the second overall graded passer, according to Pro Football Focus, behind only only Tua. And I listen, I think if a six popped, I would probably go ahead and take it on the Jags based off of kind of what I thought about this team heading into the season, what I still think is a pretty good offense that is maybe a defense that needs to catch up a little bit more, but you can't run the ball 
uh, on on the Jags, right? And so you have to throw it on them. And, and can Josh Allen do that? Absolutely. But I do think that them being so good against the run does at least take away a little bit of the element of this Buffalo offense has been so good so far. That being said, if Buffalo went out there and thumped the Jags, probably wouldn't surprise me. The Buffalo might be the best team in the NFL. I mean, like we're we're still having that debate right now. We're still having that discussion as to which team's the best team in the NFL. Buffalo over the last few few weeks has certainly looked like the part of that team. So I, I think six is too much. I think I would take the six if it were to pop between now and kickoff, but um, wouldn't surprise me if this was a run out in, in favor of Buffalo. My concern with Trevor Lawrence in this matchup is that he is 29th in the NFL so far this year in completion percentage against zone defense and the bills play 75% zone defense. And I agree that despite the win in London last week against Atlanta, I did not feel like they got back on track and we're firing close to all cylinders like we saw with this offense last year. It's still Press Taylor calling plays. They had 4.8 yards per play in the first half. They were a complete beneficiary of the Desmond Ritter pick six. They were a little bit better in the second half, 5.3 yards per play, but that's still below average for the NFL. So do I think they can take advantage of this banged-up Bill secondary? I think there's a chance of that for sure because without Trey White, just to put some numbers on this, with Christian Benford at corner who was limited in practice all week, he's also questionable. Dane Jackson's the other corner. According to PFF, among the 87 NFL perimeter cornerbacks with at least 35 snaps on the outside – Benford and Jackson have a respective 4.7% and 5.4% explosive pass plays allowed rate. Both of those rank outside the top 60. And Benford's yards per coverage snap allowed and Jackson's yards per coverage snap allowed both rank outside the top 40. So Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk should be able to take advantage of this matchup. It is also just a completely unprecedented travel spot. Like we've never seen a team stay in London, then have a team have to come over to London. If I'm Buffalo, I'm kind of upset at the league that they put them in the situation for a Buffalo home game on the schedule, mind you. So I don't know what to quantify for that. I don't know if that's worth one point. I don't know if that's worth two points. I'm not sure. Uh, but I agree with you, at least numerically, Matt, six would be a buy point for Jacksonville for me. But um, I mean, it's it's based on numbers and blind faith that we see some better version of the Jacksonville offense against the banged up secondary. Yeah, I, I have to assume that there's some sort of advantage to staying over there. I don't know how to quantify that because, again, we don't have any data to back this up. I just have to assume that your body being on that schedule for longer than Buffalo's will, that that's good. You hear some of these NFL guys talking on some of these other programs about, hey, man, have you ever gone to London? It sucks, right? It's like (laughs) you hear it all the time. Like these guys are losing. It's not the greatest thing. And so if you do have that week to adjust, I have to think it's worth something, but also – these NFL teams are smart. They're optimizing when to travel, how to travel, what to do to make sure that their bodies are on time and on rhythm and all that. So I I don't, I don't know. I I think six is going to be the buy point for me on the Jags based off. Again, I have to hold on to at least a little bit of my priors, but I've gotten to the point in the season where I'm starting to kick those to the curb, but I was really high on the Jags was, was really good 
um, think that this team was really good at the end of last year and that there has to be some sort of that left in the tank, but maybe there's not. And maybe I'll have to kind of get off of what I think about this Jags team. This division is interesting. We'll talk more in depth about this division a little bit later in the pod because maybe there's some other angles here to play in all of this. Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. And we talked about staying in that division with the Jags. Here we go. Division game between Titans and Colts. Two and a half in favor of the Titans. 43, 43 and a half is our total in this one. So, Stephen, uh, I'm going to start with you. I've got no team more wrong in the history of this podcast that we've been doing this than the Tennessee Titans. Ditto. I still don't think they're good. They go to prove me wrong in the, you know, on occasion. And then they fit right into the part in other occasions. I don't exactly know what to do here. I do know what I have in the Colts, which is a very, very athletic quarterback who is still kind of struggling with accuracy, but I think is going to continue to get better over the course of the season is probably going to be a guy that I want to back later on in the year when some of those accuracy things get cleared up just a little bit more, he understands the playbook a little bit better, gets what NFL defenses are doing, doing a little bit better, but this all seems kind of appropriate. It's probably a field goal in favor of the Titans. It's probably, you know, you're getting a little bit of a, of a discount here because the Colts are at home. I I'm going to take a pass on this one, but I certainly am going to continue to watch the progression of Anthony Richardson and all of this, because once they had to kind of YOLO it last game and he was throwing the ball on field, you started to see all that stuff the scouts talk about. Like you saw like the wow factor with this arm and like the stuff he's able to do with all that. Now the ball was wildly inaccurate. Like the ball wasn't going where he wanted it to go, but like you started to see, you're like, oh, that's that arm everyone was falling in love with. Like, oh my God, that's that rocket that was just like wowing people at combines and workouts and things like that. But uh, for me, I'll sit back and watch this, but this division is getting fairly interesting uh, with the Jags not being as good as we thought, the Titans still kind of hanging around, and then you got the Colts and the Texans still kind of hanging around. I, I agree, I, and I actually think there's a an outcome where you might even get two teams from this division into the playoffs with some of the injuries and other issues we've seen in the AFC, which would be shocking compared to what we thought coming into this season, and even more shocking the Jags might not be one of the two. I mean, that's in the range of outcomes too. So uh, I just think this is a bad matchup on paper for the Colts. Um, their metrics tell you that they don't have a great passing offense right now, despite some of the improvisational and comeback stuff from Anthony Richardson last week. And if their bread and butter is running the ball, well, they're facing one of, if not the toughest rush defenses in the league. Tennessee is top 10 in rush D, top three by EPA stopping the run. Um, and what also was kind of surprising to me is, you know, the Colts have the reputation of running the ball. They might get Jonathan Taylor back as well this week, but at least in terms of the advanced statistics, they're 31st by EPA and 23rd in success rate, I believe. So correct me if I'm wrong on that guys, but hasn't been great. Um, flip over to the other side here. And I think the line move here, this actually flipped from the look ahead where the Colts are a small favorite. Now Titans, a small favorite. I think the move is appropriate just based on availability on both sides. The Titans are getting two offensive linemen back. Peter Skaronsky, who was fantastic in his NFL debut and Petit Friere from the nonsensical gambling on non NFL game yes. suspension. He's back from that. So, uh, the bad Tennessee offensive line got better this week. And the Colts have two key players out on defense in Shaq Leonard and Quiddy Pay. Those are 
probably two of their three most important defenders, quite frankly. Um, the other being DeForest Buckner. So I think the the line is appropriate here. No play for me, um, but I'm I'm very fascinated to see how this division plays out. Adam, likely to get Jonathan Taylor back out there for the Colts. Don't know if that's going to make a difference in your handicap with all of this, but worth mentioning, he was out there, full practices. Gave, you know, I guess the politically correct answers to the questions of, hey, I'm out here. I'm out here for now. And if I'm out here, I'm going to play. Um, so it seems like we're going to get him. Don't know if he'll be on a snap count or or what that's going to be. I don't know if that materially changes anything for you from a handicapping perspective. But for me, we look, we've we all three of us have been cashing on these Anthony Richardson rushing props since he's been out there. But that has me off of it this week because I want to see just how involved they're going to get Jonathan Taylor. And if he steals those goal line touches now, because that was the thing we were banking on is Anthony Richardson was the goal line back. We were cashing that every single week, but we can't, you know, I don't know if we can confidently do it this week, considering, you know, Taylor back in there. All right. I guess I'll be the one person in on this game. Although I'm, I guess we'll say I'm what three quarters in maybe because I have a teaser on this on Indianapolis. Uh, it's uh -huh. my first leg there at plus eight and a half. Uh, first of all, plus eight and a half on a home dog at a 43 point game. If you just want to stop right there, you can just stop right there. If you want to keep talking about it a little bit, this is the point in the season at which I think you have to give the most serious consideration to what you came into the season, thinking about the team versus what you're seeing about the team right now and why you're seeing what you're seeing about the team right now. So if you go by the old DVOA metrics and the old football outsiders metrics here, there are a handful of teams where you can look and see big differences between their metric of DVOA and their metric of Dave. And the Dave metric essentially combines DVOA with what the preseason expectations were for the team. And Indianapolis has a pretty wide gap here. Uh, they're 19th in total DVOA. They were 28th in Dave. Come, you know, so that's their combination metric coming into the season. So basically what it's telling you is this is a team that has outperformed what people thought they were going to do. And when you start looking down the line and you say, which are the teams that have had these huge gaps and why have they had these huge gaps? It's either new head coaches or new offensive coordinators or new quarterbacks or bad quarterback situations, one direction or the other. And I think we can say Richardson has at least been better than we expected. We might not have had much expectation for him. And then you add in Shane Steichen and you have a play caller who is optimizing what he does with Anthony Richardson and so when I look at the this Tennessee team and see that they are going to be without Traylon Burks and that they are going on the road in division, I have a hard time thinking they're getting this game outside of eight and a half. And then I look at Indianapolis and I see a team that, yes, if you go ahead and take the garbage timeout EPA on offense, they're 30th. But then you look at defense, they're seventh. Really? Like, that's not something I expected to see out of the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm this year so overall i just see enough positives in the indianapolis category that i'm willing to go and take eight and a half in pocket on uh, half of a tease here with a team that i think has outperformed a little bit and probably is going to continue to outperform at least what the preseason expectations were because again we're talking about new play caller and new quarterbacks so there was a lot of uncertainty there yeah, and, and so to kind of keep with the whole divisional talk here, because the next game we're going to get to is going to be the, the Texas and the Falcons. Look, you have the Jags who are five and a half, six point dogs. You have two teams that are playing each other. So somebody's going to get a win. 
somebody's going to get a loss. And then you have the Texans that are, that are coming in and playing the Falcons. If you are, if you don't like the Jags, I think now would be the time that if you did like one of these other three teams to go ahead and get one of those other three teams in your, in your account, right? Because again, one of the two teams between the Titans and Colts is going to win this week. The Texans are only point and a half dogs in this thing against the Falcons. So if you like any of these other teams, I think now is the time that you need to go ahead and get it in the account and go up against the Jags who are, again, if we go by what the spread is and all that, like likely to lose this week. And so here's your buy point because it's not going to be worth it after this week in which the two teams play each other. And then if Houston does get this win against the Falcons. And Matt, just to add to that point, if you look at remaining strength of schedule by PFF for the rest of this season, Jacksonville's remaining schedule is the 15th hardest in the league. Indianapolis, 28th. Tennessee, 29th. Houston, 30th. Yeah, so it's just something to to keep in mind here. Just an alternate way to play some of these games this week. But let's go ahead and talk about that Texans and Falcons game. It is down to a point and a half in favor of the Falcons. A lot of love coming in on the Texans this week in this game. 41 and a half is your total. Hey, I'm one of those guys. Uh, Texans, eight and a half teaser leg in the account. Loved it. Feel good about it. Um, If you look, CJ Stroud has just been one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's not like rookie just overall, just in general, he's just been one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. And if we look, I think that we could, again, if we started to name small sample size through four weeks, Adam, if we started saying, who do I want under center for my team? And sure, we're going to get down the list, but we're probably putting CJ Stroud ahead of a lot of other names that we probably didn't think we were going to be doing heading into the season um, here in 2023. So I, I like what I've seen. You guys know, I think you guys do it too, whatever. I go back, rewatch every single game every week in the All-22, and I, I keep looking for this stuff where I'm going, maybe these advanced numbers are just getting a little too cute with it. Like, no, there's got to be something wrong with, with Stroud. And then you just watch the game, and you see he just plays a clean game. He just plays a smart game. He just doesn't do bonehead plays. And and with all, there's a lot to be said for just that, right? I mean, when you consider what we've seen from a lot of quarterback play, so far here this season. So uh, Texans in a teaser leg to me wouldn't surprise me if they won this thing outright. And like we just kind of mentioned before, if you wanted to, if, it's not crazy for me. If you told me you want to come in and put a Texans divisional ticket in, I actually wouldn't talk you off of it. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. Uh, this is one of those moments that I did not think we would be having here in week five of the season, Matt. Yeah, but you you know, this, this is this is the moment that we are in. And if you go in and take a look at where you are with your QB ratings, which this is again, this is the point in the season where I will go back in on my preseason QB ratings and I will go back and I will re-rank as I did last night. Every quarterback in the league from one to 32 for where we are right now. I didn't expect to have CJ Stroud at 22. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a reasonable place to have a rookie quarterback where you say, OK, you've now proven to me that you are approaching the middle third of quarterbacks in this league. Maybe you're not there yet on a four game sample size, but you're certainly getting there. And I talked about those differences about preseason expectations. Well, if you go by DVOA, just a four week DVOA sample, mm-hmm. it is small. All the caveats. Houston's 11th, 11th in the league. Their Dave number factoring in their preseason expectations is 26th. And I could go on and on with the numbers. I, I don't think we need to do that considering what we've seen out of the Houston Texans thus far. That was not a small performance last week. 
mm-hmm. out of Houston in terms of readjusting where we are, because even if you said to yourself, OK, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I said it on the podcast last week. I'm not running to the window to lay points with Kenny Pickett on the road. What about the Pittsburgh defense? What about this Pittsburgh defense that scored two defensive touchdowns to beat a Cleveland team that we think is very good overall getting run up for 30 points and having it done by that passing offense of the Houston Texans. So I didn't get as good a number as you did, Matt. I have plus seven and a half on the teaser, but that is the other half of most of where I have teaser money right now, that and Indianapolis. And so, yeah, I did not expect to be playing an Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud teaser and have it be something I felt really good about yeah. in week five. But you have to be willing to readjust what you were looking at preseason at some point here. And for me, that starts this week. Uh, I It's the it's thing I always say, like I I don't do a ton of things exceptionally well, but one of the things I do do well is I am willing to be wrong. Like I will accept what I'm wrong about things and I move off of it and, and go on. I don't clutch to these priors. I don't sit there and try and say like, it's going to show up. It's going to show No, man. He's just, he's, he's, he's pretty good. He might be like league average as a rookie. And if you're league average as a rookie, that's going to win you some games. I mean, like there are a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL, especially the one that's on the other side of the ball in this one, Steven, which is another part of this handicap for me, which is just betting against what we've seen basically from the Atlanta offense, just in general, actually. I mean, like they have no semblance of figuring out what they want to do. I can't figure out why this still wants to be 1980s football where they want to run 60% of the time and pass at 40%. Maybe it is to hide Desmond Ritter, but even with that, it's just not going to win you games, right? You almost have to just let him fail because you're not going to win games throwing the ball one yard down the field to B. John Robinson every single time, though. If you want to just ride the train of playing over Bijan Robinson receiving yards, guys, you probably just should because it's started at 19 and a half. He cleared that. Then the next week it went to 22 and a half. He cleared that. Then it went to 24 and a half and he cleared that. I think it's at 25 and a half this week. Like he just loves checking it down to Bijan Robinson. So, I mean, like I don't play it until it fails. What I guess is, would be my other thing in this because he just gets all of the high percentage targets and nobody else gets anything. Adams mentioned it a couple of times already, but this is absolutely the week of taking the alleged discount. If you're sticking to your priors based on some of these line moves or believing what your eyes and the metrics are telling you from four weeks into the season, because this line was Atlanta minus three and a half on the other side of the key number on the look ahead. And now we're down closer to a pick them. So I think the line move is completely appropriate here. I know that on paper, the Falcons have what should be a better matchup running the ball. But the thing about the Falcons is that's pretty much the only way they can win games at this point. Like that, if they can't run the ball against their opponent, how are they going to win that game? Because Desmond Ritter's not winning it for them. So that's just the caveat to have the possibility of winning the game. So I'll give them that. But you guys, I mean, you hit it on the head. CJ Stroud has been fantastic. Atlanta's D may be third in pressure rate this season, but we saw what Stroud did to pressure the past two weeks. Week three against pressure, eight of 11 for 130 yards and two touchdowns when the Jags were blitzing. Third most yards per attempt this season when given more than two and a half seconds. So you better get some pressure or he's going to slice you up that way too. But I mean, Stroud, number one passer rating versus man coverage so far in the NFL this season. He's four weeks into his NFL career, and he's number one in that statistic. And Atlanta runs top Mm -hmm. 10 uh, coverage rate in the league running man defense. So 
I think this is a team that is on the uptick. You mentioned futures in the AFC South, Matt. I did fire Texans futures mm. at just south of five to one this week. And I feel pretty good about it because I think this is a sharp coaching staff. I think that the fact that Stroud is doing this despite the most banged up offensive line in the NFL is just amazing. And I think the the division is up for grabs here. So um, yeah, I hate to boil it down as simple as CJ Stroud versus Desmond Ritter, but until Desmond Ritter is no longer the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, this is basically the Jets. Like this is the yeah. the Jets of the NFC. So I'm happy to take the Texans as an underdog, even though they're on the road. And I did take and, the teaser leg as well. Yeah, the confidence that they have in CJ Stroud is is pretty amazing. If you strip out the guys that only have like you know a handful of attempts or you know that, that only made one start or something, he he's top he's top ten in average depth of target in the NFL. Like they are they're cutting it loose. He's yeah, cutting it's not it loose. Checkdowns. You're right. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, this is a dude that is out there playing quarterback in the NFL. They're not putting kid gloves on him and all that. I mean, he is, he is going after it. And so I, I just, I cannot back the Falcons as long as Desmond Ritter's are court. I just cannot, I cannot do it. Right. I just, it's, and this is the other thing I will say, if the Texans, the, the other alternate way to bet this game, if the Texans get up in this game, it is, it is, they're not pile on them. Yeah. Like you pile on them. Like Desmond Ritter ain't leading no kind of comeback. Like that is not yeah. happening. So this is like if the Texans get up, you just refire on the Texans over and over again because D- Desmond Ritter does not have it in him in, in, for any sort of comeback. Yeah, Steven? One final note Will Anderson, the guy that everybody criticized for them trading up and giving up a bunch of assets to go get in the draft through, through the first month of the season, top six in both run stop and pass rush win rate. The only other player in the NFL that fits that, Miles Garrett. He's had a fantastic start as well. Yeah, just absolutely fantastic. Let's head on to the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions. This is all the way up to nine, nine and a half in favor of the Lions, 43-44. If that tells you the sentiment around this Carolina Panthers team, that this line didn't come back down, it was at eight and a half. This, by the way, is the other half of the teaser leg for me, guys, uh, the the. Texans eight and a half, the Lions down to two and a half. We're not, we we don't have Amon Ross St. Brown out there this week for the Detroit Lions. And this thing is still nearly sitting double digits against this Carolina Panthers team. Steven, look, it's looked absolutely atrocious. The offense is non-existent. I don't really even think it's Bryce Young's fault, though. He's been bad. There's just no dudes out there. We've talked about this as we headed in some of our preseason content. None of these guys can get any separation. You hear the stuff about an 0-4 team saying they're really in look in search of a wide receiver one. Like, nah, man, just punt on this season. I know you don't have a first round pick, but like, just, just deal with it in the off season. You don't, there's nobody that you want that's available out there for you. Um, look, it's, I loved the teaser leg with the lions. It's outside of that range. Now, I guess you could play a seven pointer. If that's your cup of tea, that's not mine, but um, it seems about right. I think the lions, even without uh, Amon Ross St. Brown do get back Jamison Williams this week. And honestly, Laporta has looked great for them in the receiving game. Reynolds has actually looked good for them too. So I don't think they're going to have any problem against the Panthers. They're going to win. I just don't know if I want to lay double digits basically with the, with the Lions. If only Carolina had a receiver like DJ Moore. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, what could they have done? Um, yeah. I mean, this is, this is teaser leg of the week for me. Um, right now it's not sitting there. We did share it in the discord earlier this week at the lines.com. Uh, so be sure to get in there, get the best of the lines early in the week. 
Um, but I still think there's a chance we get back down to eight and a half here by kickoff just because of how bad the Detroit injury report is. You mentioned I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys on that injury report that are key as well. So maybe somebody comes in and takes the points here with Carolina. I'm not optimistic, but there's still a chance because I could see Detroit kind of just resting guys this week in a matchup that they should be able to dominate here. If Carolina and this offense can only muster six points against the Minnesota defense, what are they going to do against the Detroit defense that is sixth in the NFL in pressure rate despite blitzing at the number 30 rate in the NFL? That is just stark for Bryce Young and company here. So complete mismatch. I really don't need to get much more into it. Everybody knows Carolina stinks at this point. Um, And I think it's only a month in, but I think we need to start wondering if uh, Carolina made a three-year mistake here on not just running it back with Steve Wilkes and Sam Darnold and keeping all those draft assets and DJ Moore as well. Uh, if we look at the injury report, it's not great either. Um, Adam for the Panthers, Xavier Woods is already out. Dante Jackson is out. You have Steven Sullivan. You have Austin Corbett. Like th- th- it's not great for them either. Um, I don't really know what 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 to to say. I mean, I did not think you said. You know, what were we going to be t- talking about here in, in week five of the NFL? I didn't think that I would be talking about the Panthers being the worst team in the NFL. I thought they would be bad. I didn't think they'd be the worst team in the NFL. I think the conversation is certainly to be had if they are, in fact, at this juncture, the worst team in the NFL. We thought the defense was going to be good. Defense isn't good. Offense certainly terrible. I don't know what there is to kind of clutch on to really with this team. No, I'm not going to go as far as uh, Kentucky hot takes over there with a three year mistake on <laughs> Carolina. Like, I think we're a little early in the process uh, for that we one, are, but it has not been pretty. It hasn't been pretty. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, there's not a whole lot to add from my perspective, other than the fact that Detroit to me is a team that I, I'm going to be very honest. I still don't see it with Detroit other than the strength of that offensive line, which I guess means a lot when not a whole lot of teams have a great offensive line, but I'm going to believe it because I'm not going to go so far against both my eyes and what the metrics say to go out of the way to hold on to some Detroit take from before the year that, oh, maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. No, it's it's, it's out there right now. And they're a team that by every metric is in the top 10 on both sides of the ball. So I think if you want to weigh into this game and you don't want to lay huge points with a team that does not have its number one offensive weapon, there's a couple ways in uh, there's 45 on the board out there. If you want to play it under, if you just want to try to play it under based on Carolina, go ahead and show me how you think this team's getting to 17 points because right now <laughs> the Carolina team total is 16 and a half. And I do not see any way against a Detroit defense that is going to have the advantage on the offensive and defensive line situation. I don't see how Carolina is getting there. I played Laporta over. Um, it is. I do think that Jamison Williams d- does get some run in this one. I know he's not coming back off of injury, but we've seen these teams when these guys just didn't get in a you know didn't get in the first month of the season. We've seen them kind of ease them back in. So I was a little hesitant to pull the trigger there. Laporta has looked fantastic for this team. Uh, it, it's that said, it's gotten steamed up to fifty three and a half now. It was at fifty and a half whenever the the news came through about. 
uh, Amon Ross St. Brown not being out there. I would still only play the over on Laporta. Goff loves throwing to him. He actually runs routes down the field, so you don't actually have to have volume for this number to get home because Laporta is running like vertical routes, right? I mean, the guy's like running stuff far down the field. So I, I think that he might end up being the beneficiary here of where Amon Ross St. Brown was kind of the safety blanket for Goff that maybe Laporta gets a few of those targets. I think that that could be the case. Uh, Josh Reynolds also at 43 and a half. I mean, I know it's Josh Reynolds and it's nothing sexy and we kind of hated him as like the wide receiver three everywhere he's been, but he's going to have to be the de facto one, at least in this game. And 43 and a half is a pretty low total for an offense that can, that can move the ball in a defense that stinks. So uh, something to consider on that one as well. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. Just, just to add in, uh, keep in mind, if you're thinking about receiver overs, uh, this might not be a game where, Dan Campbell and company feel the need to run this up. This could end up being a David Montgomery game uh, as well, especially considering Jameer Gibbs popped up late in the week on the injury report. So if you, if you want to look another way at it, they, they, this could be uh, more of a running game for Detroit by the time they're trying to salt this thing away. Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is four and a half across the board right now in favor of the Ravens. 38 is your total in this one. If you guys follow me on the Twitter machine, I went on a rant and I went on a rant last night about oh, just a game. little. Yeah, just a little bit. Cause so here, here's the thing there's handicapping games and then there's low hanging fruit and then there's being lazy and there's all these things. And like, like anyone that's followed any of the content I've done for the last six, seven, eight years knows that I, I, you know, it's almost become a shtick now, right? Where it's like I rant against trends and, and all that. And, 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 you know, yes, I think for the, most part, 90% of trends that you throw out there are going to be complete garbage. There are some that do factor in, but I think more times than not, you should really just be looking in the individual games themselves. Well, now we're going back talking about the last 30 games between the Ravens and the Steelers and trying to say, well, this happened over the last 30 games. So blanket, just blind bet on the Steelers. And because every game is close or whatever. Well, if you go back, 25 of those 30 games, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback for the Steelers, <laughs> not an injured Kenny Pickett. And then if you go, go back on, King. and then you go back and then you go, oh, well, well, OK, well, yeah, that's true. Well, but but Lamar, Lamar Jackson's missed three of the last four games in this series, including both last year in this series. So like even when Big Ben was gone, you don't even have a comp for like Ravens after Big Ben because Lamar hadn't played in three of the four games since Big Ben is retired. And so none of this stuff matters. This is a completely different game. It is Lamar playing. It is Kenny Pickett, who was bad anyway, who's going to try to be a hero because he don't want to get his job taken from him. So he's going to play injured in this game. Like it, there's no comps whatsoever. There's no trends. There's no look at the game itself and handicap the friggin' game. And that's what's going on here. Don't be sitting here going, being all lazy saying, well, the last 30 games have all been close. So hell, this one's going to be close. That doesn't, that, no, it doesn't. That's not what it means whatsoever. What you could say is that this one's going to be close because there's no offensive firepower on the Steelers and the Ravens are all banged up. So you don't think that this really can get out of hand. And so that's why you'd be taking the four and a half. There's all different reasons that you can at least make your case. But to say that we're going back on the last 30 games between these teams just because they're divisional opponents and pulling the magic. There, there it is. The It's magic, guys. It's just going to stay close no matter what. It's the way it is. Just be better. Be better. That's all. That's that's all there is to it. So sorry. That's my rant on this. 
I don't even have a bet in this game. It's just, it's like, I, I heard the take like eight different times over the last few days. I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I, I, I cannot take this anymore. But these people doing this and like, I don't even have a bet in the game. Adam, you're, I know you're, you're, you're laughing because you've heard me do this before about 10 different times, but it's just like, what are we doing here? Like we're pulling for games that the, we had like a hall of fame quarterback for on one side of the ball and then a, a former MVP that wasn't playing uh, in a lot of these games recently on the other side. I just, uh, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh. <laughs> I'm just pausing before I start to make no, sure. Ahead, sure done. You got I'm it all out. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. I'm done. All right, because I wouldn't have been surprised if there were some aftershocks there that, that came out and you needed to get the rest of it onto a recorded format. Um, well, there, there you go. Uh, I, I make it Baltimore 5. Uh, it opened Baltimore 2. It's at Baltimore 4 <laughs> most places. Uh, I think the most notable thing about this game is that the total has come all the way down to 38 while the market has moved out on Baltimore past the 3 to the 4. Uh they're telling you everything that you need to know about the Pittsburgh offense. Um, on the other side of this, we don't think of this Baltimore defense the way that we think about the Ray Lewis era Baltimore defenses. However, non-garbage time EPA on defense. Look, Cleveland is otherworldly, right? They're number one by a long shot. So number two is a long way from number one. But number two right now, non-garbage time EPA, four weeks, is the Baltimore defense. And that has to say something, especially considering we just got done praising the Houston offense and they are the ones who have made the Houston offense look the worst through four weeks thus far. So right now you have reason to believe in Baltimore on both sides of the football. If ever you were going to lay four on the road in a divisional game, then this is when you would do it. But Matt, over the last 37 years, <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. Listen, it's. I, I just can't. I know. I know. I, I'll be better about this, guys. Like, I'm going to be able to breathe through this, and I'll talk myself out of like losing it every single time because it, it's going to come up again next year. Like, no matter what happens, so it's going to come up again as it is next year. Uh, Steven, the injury report. The reason we were betting against the Ravens in theory the last couple of weeks, even though we bought off that bet last week after it got switched to DTR starting for the Browns. Was because of this. Was because of the horrible injury report. Well, looks like Odell's going to be back. Rashad Bateman doesn't even have any injury designation. He's going to play for sure. You're getting back a couple of offensive linemen. Now you are going to still be without Worley and uh, and what was it Moses? I think that's going to be still still be out for them. But uh, Owe, I think is out too. But you do get back. You know, Marcus Williams is going to be back out there. You do get back Marlon Humphrey, who got in a full practice. Justice Hill got in a full practice. Rashad Bateman, as I mentioned, not even listed on the injury report. So it is a much, 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 much healthier version of the Ravens heading into this thing as well. We know Pittsburgh um, pretty, pretty healthy, actually, on their side of the ball. Um, Steelers offense, though, not healthy. And that's a big part of this, too, because Kenny Pickett well, Fryer is, gonna, is out. Yeah, yeah Fryer moves out. Deontay Johnson is still on IR. That's a big deal for this offense. Those are probably his two favorite targets. And you're left with Pickett throwing the pick ins and Pickens is one of the worst separators in the NFL. He's a great contested catch guy, but he's not 
he's not Deontay Johnson who's using his route running to get open basically every single play. So that leads to inconsistency. I would have been I would have felt better about the Steelers if Trubisky was playing because then you get some mobility, you know. Pickett you at least have a baseline, right? You at least have Something. a baseline. The thing is, is that the 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 floor for an injured picket, we don't even know what that could be. Like he's been this bad, like it's an not injured better picket. than what we've seen. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, like the floor for an injured picket, like what? In the, how low can that shit go? You know, I mean, like it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it, here's the thing, though. Like I'm not running to the window necessarily to take Ravens minus four and a half uh, because I do think you know it's it's an appropriate line move but i'm also getting the worst of the number at this point Mm -hmm. after this opened at three so but i am extremely interested in just finding creative ways to back the ravens in this game so um it's not a traditional teaser but maybe a money line parlay with Mm -hmm. a couple of the other favorites i really like to win this week you know you can get around minus 130 for ravens uh lions money line parlay so that that, i'm just going to try and get creative because i think the ravens have a very high likelihood of winning this game i just don't want to lay four and a half yeah and if you're in love with any of these other numbers that aren't really teaserable and this is just more for example and we'll get to the game later but like it say you say you liked the the eagles but didn't want to lay the four because it's at four a Ravens Eagles comes out to like plus one seventeen, so you're actually like getting plus money in that. So again, just something to to consider. Like you said, d- there are different ways that you can go about playing this one to to get it into your account if the if that isn't exactly the way that you want it. But uh, guys, just all I'm saying, just be better, be better in our handicapping out there. <laughs> um, let's look at the Saints and the Patriots. This is one in favor. Of I do not the- want to look at them. I do not yeah, want to look at I either know. team. I, I do know. not want to view them. I do not want them in Trust the me. range of my eyesight. Trust me. One in favor of the Patriots. 39, 39 and a half is the total. We were right last week. We were like, I don't know if car playing is actually going to be a good thing in all this because by the way, if it was truly an AC joint injury, you don't just magically heal from those in three days. And I think we saw that play out on the field with how absolutely atrocious he looked, only to be trumped by basically what the Patriots have looked like all season long. Take this game, fire it into the sun, have it explode. Like I don't want anything to do with this whatsoever. I don't even want to watch it. Hopefully there's too many games on in the early window and I don't have a TV for it. Steven, I don't know if you have an opinion on this thing. 39, 39 and a half is the total. It's hard to have an opinion even as we record now on Saturday just because of what the Patriots injury report looks like. They lost Judon. They lost Christian Gonzalez. Yes, they traded for J.C. Jackson, who was a heck of a lot better playing for the Patriots than he was the Chargers. I think some of that has to do with the amount of man coverage the Patriots play versus what the Chargers do. So, um, But is he going to be better right away in week one, week one back with the new team? I don't know. Um, there's 10 guys who were limited all week for the Patriots, including offensive tackle Trent Brown, who was a midweek addition to the injury report. Mm-hmm. And you have your you know classic Belichick. They're all questionable. So... I need to wait for inactives to see how many of these guys are actually playing to make a decision. But I do think this is a situation where the the New England defense has been impressive despite playing one of the five toughest schedules of opposing offenses to start the year. Despite that, they're eighth in DVOA. They have an above average EPA against the run and the pass. They have an average success rate against the pass, but they're you know top five against the run. And they also have a top five pressure rate as well. So 
I think the Patriots defense is legit if we get most of those guys back healthy. Um, I think Carr playing hurt is a nightmare. I think this offense has been bad. The offensive line is 25th in adjusted sack rate, 25th in pass block win rate. And that's despite playing what I think is one of the five easiest schedules of opposing defenses to start of the year, or at least, you know, overall easy schedule in, in games they should have won. So um, I, I think this is a bad matchup for New Orleans, but that's contingent on the Patriots getting those 10 guys that are questionable on the field. Yeah, Adam, I know we, you, you kind of gave it away that you're not in love with this game. I don't think any of us are, but if there, if there is an angle here, what, what would be the angle? All right. I first have to go hand up on a bad evaluation of the New England Patriots last week. Um, I will say that even though I said I had a strong lean to New England, I did leave that wiggle room of saying, and the reason I'm not playing it is because of the potential for Mac Jones to get blown up by the Dallas defense. And, uh, you know, he added in the corkle last week. He was Mac and he went back to McCorkle. Uh, so he, he went he went full Mac Corkle uh, against Dallas last week. And so I have to reevaluate this New England team. Uh, I guess if there's an angle into it, you're probably looking to Alvin Kamara receptions, right? Because he had 13 of them last week. And Alvin Kamara had 13 receptions for 33 yards. Yeah. That's yeah. almost impossible to do. Yeah. And I rewatched a lot of this game, there were a couple of seven, eight yard receptions, which means there were multiple times where he's basically catching it at the line and falling down because everyone knows that Derek Carr can't push the ball with an injured shoulder. So uh, that's the best I can give you in terms of weigh in. Yeah, I, I mean, Patriots team total, I think, is sitting 20 and a half. Maybe you just bet on them being terrible against a somewhat decent Saints defense, right? I mean, like, are they getting to 21 points in this game? Probably not. So, especially with the wind, there's some. This is their first kind of. It's not like December wind, but there's some. This mm -hmm. is our first wind game of the year where you got to keep an eye on that. In what a gross! What a, just what a what a gross game overall. That's our <laughs> yeah. that that is our take it and fire it into the sun game of the week. Like there's there's always some. Oh, that's, are that's you sure? Because I think we're about to get to the next one. Oh, no, boy. no, no, no. This one could get entertaining. New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are 12 and a half to 13 point favorites over the New York football Giants. 47 and a half is your total, Adam. Um, I know. I know, buddy. This this Giants season is going to be rough for you, it seems. And I said this and I actually stand by this in in, you know, History will will have its own narrative for all of this, and we don't actually really know. But Daniel Jones, to me, is like this generation version of David Carr, where it's like we're never really going to know whether he was any good or not because he had horrible offensive lines for the entire time he was there. All of his skill players were always hurt. He never was playing with a full complement of weapons. Like we have no idea if David Carr was any good or not because David Carr was just sitting there getting hammered the entire time that he was in the NFL. And then he just goes down as a bust, even though we didn't get a true evaluation. I almost think that that's kind of the case here with Daniel Jones, where I mean, dude, it's what do you expect him to do? I mean, like, like he's catching a, a lot of heat for what would be a difficult situation 
for every quarterback in the NFL, and that includes Patrick Mahomes. Like, this would be a bad situation for every quarterback in the entire National Football League. So, I, I don't know. That being said, it's 12 and a half to 13. Do you think that they can keep it within two touchdowns? No. And uh, now let me give you uh, <laughs> let me give you a quote from a story that I pulled earlier this week where uh, the athletic asked multiple NFL defensive coaches what's going on with the quarterbacks in New York, right? This is a direct quote from an NFL defensive coach about Daniel Jones. Quote, it's very noticeable how little they make him play like an NFL quarterback. He has the easiest reads and the easiest concepts, and still he does not throw the ball accurately. He doesn't throw the correct leverage, doesn't throw the receivers open, just doesn't do it. I'm giving you zero opinions. This is all the tape shows. And so I agree with you, Matt. It is impossible to get a full read on Daniel Jones, but that's enough of a read on Daniel Jones for me right now. And I don't put this on Dable. I don't even put this on Joe Shane. They're still cleaning up the Dave Gettleman mess. Last year was fun, and it was a great outcome as a Giants fan to at least be able to enjoy the season, win a playoff game. But it also kind of screwed them on the evaluation of this team for the medium term because they were in a spot where they had to choose on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley to at least say, well, we did have some success and we need to try to run this back. If we had some level of success, we can't just go completely into rebuild mode with a fan base that we just showed we can get to the NFC divisional round. Well, didn't happen, right? Didn't happen the way that it needed to happen. This is the worst offensive line in football. It's not close. PFF rates it number 32. And I believe that I told you guys last week before the end of the podcast that the New York Giants were going to get destroyed on Monday night football. And that's not even a great Seattle defensive line, right? That is a Seattle defense that has not been outstanding. It's been okay. And they sacked Daniel Jones 11 times. It was comical by the end of the game if you're not Daniel Jones. So now this week, You get a Miami team that, all right, let's talk about that side for a second. I think people are going to overreact to last week and seeing Miami put up 20 points, especially six after the first two drives of the game where they marched it down against Buffalo. Going back and looking at what happened to them in this spot, the Raheem Mostert fumbles really cost them. Tua sailed a ball later in the game. The turnovers went against them. Buffalo took advantage of everything. Uh, I did not move Miami down after last week, especially considering they didn't have their best edge rusher to go after Josh Allen. Maybe that's folly based on how the defense has played for Miami against some elite offenses. But I still think that this Miami team, when it's all said and done, is going to be right there in the mix to win the AFC. So look, am I in a big hurry to lay 12, 12 and a half with Miami? No. Uh, Keep an eye on first half numbers. If you can find something at seven or less on Miami, I think you're in a really good spot there with how bad the Giants offense has been. It's sitting seven and a half right now. I don't expect it to come back the other direction. But if you were were to happen to see that and then keep an eye on what's happening at halftime uh, in this game, because I do think you probably have a second half under look if uh, if you have that opportunity. Um, I don't think the Giants can score. I think Miami can score a lot. There's no way the Giants stay within the number. Steven, um, if we are looking, and this is just trying not to get ahead of ourselves here, but if we are looking to get any Dolphins futures tickets in, 
now's the time to do that. Their schedule, three of the next four weeks is Giants, Panthers, Patriots. Now there is an Eagles game mixed in there, which they will probably lose, but um, you're going to get three out of the next four as wins for this Dolphins team. And so any price you're going to get is going to be decimated after that. So that's at least something to to bring up. If you do want to back the Dolphins, you want to go ahead and get in and do that. Now, the other thing is, and I don't want to gloss over this, Steven, they're bringing in Chase Claypool. So I know that's going to be, I mean, you know, he's going to make a big difference for this offense because they've been struggling, you know, with their rod receiver core. So Chase Claypool is really going to put them over the edge. Chase Claypool better decide he wants to play football because he's can, like walking. Actually, on the he's going to decide whether can I can I can I have the ego to be a wide receiver five because that's essentially what he is for this for this. <laughs> I team thought they right just brought now, him right? in for the blocking. Is he not <laughs> like, there for the blocking? I mean, oh boy, goodness gracious. Um, so Adam said everything quite nicely. I'm going to look ahead here and just pose the question and let you guys answer. If the Dolphins are about minus 13 at home against the Giants this week, then shouldn't I consider a bet on Miami minus 10 and a half at home against the Panthers next week? Because there's no way that number closes 10 and a half if if the principals get out of this game healthy. I mean, I have the Panthers rated basically 31 or 32 in the league this year. I know the Giants aren't much higher than that, but the Panthers are worse. Um, so that, that's just one angle I'm considering and looking at here. I thought it was interesting that um, we've seen this line movement with Miami this week and a worse opponent next week, and the line is better. I think we're all in agreement, though, that there's not really a true path to victory here for the Giants. And so with that, if you're in a survivor pool that has already been decimated and most of them have, and there's only a handful of teams left and all that, like you might just want to play the dolphins this week. I I mean, I just don't know if there's a clear path to victory. Uh, Adam, do you, do you see the giants figuring out a way to to get this done? Guys, there's no, there's no way they can do this, right? I'm telling you real clearly there's the damn forced turnover. It's week five. They haven't forced a turnover. And if you want to have any chance to beat this Miami team with the talent deficit that you have, they haven't forced a turnover. So to answer Steven's question, I don't know that I'm in a big hurry to lay double digits pre-injury situation when you've got yeah, a quarterback as brittle as Tua. Um, so I'm probably not getting in on that. But if you want to look ahead to next week and you want to play something next week, uh, the Giants are still inside of two touchdowns at Buffalo next week. At Buffalo. <laughs> the team that's just the team that just beat Miami by 28 <laughs> points. It is 12 and a half in one spot, 13 in the other. If you want a shot next week, get Buffalo at less than two touchdowns at home against Daniel Jones. <laughs> there it is. Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. I have a ticket on this game, but it's irrelevant. Uh, guys, I am on air on Sundays when lines are hitting. And so I'm hyper aware of things whenever they come across. And when they seem very off to me, then I'm able to get in on them. I have an over 47 ticket in this game. So this thing's already up to 50 and a half. So this thing has moved three and a half points. So my ticket's irrelevant. We'll talk about it where it sits right now. Four, four and a half in favor of Philadelphia. 50 and a half is the total in this one. So Steven, when we take a look at, at this game, it's pretty interesting because we have an Eagles team that's undefeated without really playing an A-plus game so far. And I think there's even an argument to say without even playing an A game so far, right? They might have been all kind of B-B-plus game versions so far, this Eagles team, and they're still 4-0. And by the way, there's only two undefeated teams. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said 
for that as well for for the Eagles to be able to figure it out even when they don't have their best stuff. Rams team a little bit more spunky than we thought coming into this year. They're going to get Cooper Cup back this week. Puka Nakua seems to not be a fluke. I mean, this is now a month of him doing it. So it wasn't like a game where he flashed. It's been a whole month now. So it seems like he's going to be a thing. I, I see some points in this game. I think the Eagles are just going to continue to get better and better as the course of the season goes on, as these coordinators get uh, things figured out a little bit better. And then I think the Rams are legit on the offensive side. I don't really think the defensive side has much to show for anything, but I, I think they're pretty legit on the offensive side. So early in the week, I grabbed Eagles minus three and a half because I thought they'd give Cooper Cup another week before activating him, and that was wrong. He's he's going to play, it seems, at this point. Uh, full practice all week this week, so no reason not to have him play. So <clears throat> I lost my courage and mm -hmm. uh, bought out of it and took a Rams plus four and a half ticket. And the reason for that is because the one big concern I have with this year's Eagles team to this point is their passing defense. And Eli Hershkovich over at the lines.com has done a great job over the past few weeks, documenting what he's seeing with this Eagles pass defense after losing Jonathan Gannon to the Cardinals head coaching job in the off season. And all three of their cornerbacks, Darius Slade, James Bradbury, and Josh Joby, are all below average in separation allowed. Overall, this past defensive unit is 20th in EPA per play. And the Rams have a top 10 passing offense in EPA through a month without Cooper Cup, a former offensive player of the year in the NFL. Um, so I think that even if the Eagles are playing from ahead here, the Rams are really solidly positioned to use that passing game to score in this one. Um, they did have their backup left tackle note boom go. Uh, he's, he's ruled out for this game, but it looks like there's a good chance of their starting left tackle coming back for the Rams. We'll see. I, I'd feel a lot better if that was confirmed, but um, I am going to use the Rams plus four as a contest play this week, but not quite comfortable enough to put, you know, another side bet on it. But I, I do think that the Rams can move the ball in the passing game this week. Yeah, I this one thing the Philly defense has done. I mean, they're just getting pressure all over the place. They are really, really stout, obviously, against the run as well. So when you eliminate when you eliminate a an element, right? So this kind of goes into this. I, I get what Eli says with all this, whatever, but like so when you force teams like teams are naturally going to have more success against you when you are facing more passing downs and you're facing more passing attempts. And also you're playing in game states in which the other teams are, are, are down as well. Right. And so I, I agree. I, I think this past event certainly leaves some to be desired. They're about middle of the pack right now when it comes to a lot of the advanced categories out there. Right. But you cannot run the ball against this team. Right. So teams come in, right with a complete pass strategy against this team. And so you're kind of getting every team's best effort from a passing aspect because they already know coming in that one element of football has been removed from them, right? Like that is no, it's not even an option. And so they have to just give their best effort in another part of it all. And so, yeah, there, there's something to can all I, of that. Can I give my rebuttal though on that? Can I give just yeah. my brief yeah. rebuttal yeah. on that? Yeah. The Eagles pass defense has had three games against Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, and Sam Howell. And I would argue that a lot of that production didn't exactly come in garbage time. So 
yes, they are a pass funnel defense, but they've also been successful in situation neutral against that. It's, it hasn't been just soft prevent defense. So the, the games have been on the line and there's, and, and offenses are still moving the ball against this Eagles pass defense. Yeah. It, well, and well, think of the, think of the guys that you just named outside of Mac Jones, right? I mean, you still have, I mean, like Kirk Cousins and them are moving the ball basically on everyone all year long. That's going to happen. Uh, this, the commanders for better or for worse, right? I mean, they actually can throw the ball. I mean, like, they, they, you know, for better or for worse, we saw that this past yeah. week as well. Um, so again, I, it, there is something to it. It's certainly not as good a pass defense as it was last year, but there also is like some digging in a little bit further to the fact that there is a, it's, it's a, it's a funnel situation that's going on. And so that's kind of what we're going to get with, with some of this as well. Um, Adam, I gotta be honest. I think I'd only play the Eagles in this. I I think that this is where the Rams maybe kind of come back down to earth a little bit in playing this like Matt Stafford going to play through this hip thing. But if you watch the end of that game, so this was one of the games that I paid attention to. And when I rewatched it, you could see the point in the game in which that injury occurred. And you could then visibly see Matthew Stafford not play as well from that point forward in the game. And so yeah, he's a Herculean dude and he's going to be able to play through it. But there's something to that. And again, this team, this team gets a lot of pressure. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit early. He's going to hit often. Does this start to bother him throughout the course of this game? Like, I, I just don't know. So that and that alone would keep me off of the Rams. And, and that also is kind of pushing me towards an Eagles side. That being said, not, not in the account quite yet. Okay. So let's think about what we've learned through four weeks of the season, not that we wouldn't know this from other seasons, but mm. specifically this season, how well has it gone betting on injured quarterbacks? Not particularly well, right? Uh, yeah. We're going to get to Joe Burrow here in a minute. We just talked about Derek Carr playing through injury last week, right? We do not have a good history of betting on injured quarterbacks through the in early part of this season and then you put them against this Eagles defense which by the way how hilarious is it that we're in week five of the 2023 season last year by midseason all we could talk about was that the Eagles couldn't stop the run against anyone they're bringing in Dominic and Sue off the street because <laughs> they couldn't stop anybody's rushing attack and here we are now with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter in the middle of this defense and now nobody can run against them um uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, Matt, I'm with you on the fact that it would be Eagles pass. Now, if you like the Eagles, I would say, wait, uh, Cooper Cup has been said to be in when when it gets to the Adam Schefters of the world on Sunday morning slash Sunday early afternoon. And the tweet comes out that says Cooper Cup is officially in for the Los Angeles Rams. I think you're probably coming off the four down to three and a half. I don't think you're getting down to three, but I think you're probably getting another half point of steam for the Los Angeles Rams. I will not be with that because this is one of the strange situations that goes against what we normally see, right? What do we normally talk about? Favorite over dog under, right? Mm -hmm. This would have to be dog over because if you think that the Rams are yeah. going to compete, you think the Rams have to score. And so if you think Philadelphia is going to dominate this game, then I think the sneaky way into this, I know you have an over 47. This thing's sitting 50 and a half, maybe even 51 by the time we go again with the Cooper Cup news. You might have a decent middle opportunity on that yeah. total here. I, 
if this gets on the other side of 51, I'm playing it for sure. Like, like I'm, I'm just going to play the middle, like for sure. If it gets on the other side of 51 yeah. and it might, you know, like, I mean, listen, it, it might, there's there, it is a, they want to run the Eagles. ball. Yeah. I mean, like it, it is, it, it certainly might get on the other side of 51. If that's the case, I will, I will play the middle then at that point. Uh, but I'm going to end up with the Eagles ticket one way or another, whether it be in the contest or whether it be, you know, uh, whether, whether it be an actually in my account, it, I think this it's is a trench they, mismatch on both sides. Yeah. Like this is where I think that they really kind of show that they're just better than, uh, than a lot of these teams. Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is now an expensive three at most places in favor of Cincinnati. 44 and a half is your total. Adam, you alluded to it in the last game that we talked about in the Eagles and the Rams. We've said this. We've said it for the last three weeks here. We're gonna. I'm going to keep beating the drum. Joe Burrow's playing at 60% at, at best. I mean, like, it, it's just he can't do anything in the pocket. He can, literally, li, literally, literally, literally has taken away an entire aspect of his game, right? I mean, like, we are talking about a guy that, yes, he's not Lamar Jackson or, or anything. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But Joe Burrow is fairly mobile and certainly fairly mobile when it comes to a dude that goes and kind of picks up those little short first downs to extend drives or the pocket collapses and he's able to slide out and then let chase get open or let one of these, you know, one of these other guys get out. Like that's kind of an underrated thing that we don't really, that, that, that people I don't think talk about enough when it comes to, to all that. And I just look at this in under the radar, Adam, Joe Burrow last year, Ran for, you know, nearly 300, ran for nearly 300 yards and also picked up double digit first downs with his feet over the course of the season as well. Like I said, extending those drives, making these plays that help the team continue to go down and score on. It doesn't exist with him anymore. It's like he's doing them a disservice being out there, but I get it. He's going to, he's, he's going to play as long as he can. I can't back him. I took the four and a half with the Cardinals Everyone else took the four and a half of the Cardinals as well. It's all the way down to three right now. I still would probably only be Cardinals or pass. What say you? All right. So this is the game and the team that I did my deepest dive on this mm -hmm. week because I was wrong last week on Cincinnati. They got blown out by the Titans and I wanted to see what's going on. So I want to give some credit to Paul Daner Jr. at the athletic, their mm -hmm. beat writer, because he's done some fantastic dives. So Settle in here for a second. I'm going to hold on to the microphone for a moment as I tell you some of the statistics that he's looked up. I will skip the part about Burrow and his mobility in third downs because you just covered it well. Daner also covers that very well uh, in what he did. Okay, get ready for some statistics that are going to take you off the Cincinnati Bengals for as long as Joe Burrow is playing. Uh, he just became the first player in NFL history to throw at least 150 passes in his team's first four games and average fewer than five yards per attempt. Okay, he's two for 22, throwing the ball more than 15 yards in the air this year. Uh, they are 25th in third down conversion percentage, as you mentioned there, Matt. On third and four or less, they are 20th converting this year. They were fourth last season. Uh, they have 0 0.9 points per drive, the lowest number in the NFL since 2020. Okay, I'm, I'm not done. I'm just kind of settling right. in here. Uh, Joe Burrow against the Blitz was something you did not do in his first couple of years. 
Uh, yards per attempt, 2021, 10.3. Yards per attempt, 2022, 8. Yards per attempt, I should say 2021, then 2022. Now in 2023, 4.6 yards per attempt for Joe Burrow. Two years ago, he completed 69% of his passes against the Blitz. This year, 51.5 because he can't move. Uh, touchdowns against the Blitz. Last year, 13. This year so far, one. Scrambles against the Blitz, zero thus far this year. I, I, I probably could go on and on and on about that, but here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some on the other side to tell you why you can't just rely on the Cincinnati defense. Uh, here's what Big Lou, everyone's favorite on this podcast, has done. Uh, the Bengals have allowed 35 explosive plays. So that's 10 or more on a rush, 20 or more on a catch through four weeks. They're tied with the Denver Broncos for that right now. That's 12 more than they gave up last year. Since Lou Anarumo arrived in Cincinnati, in 2019, they had allowed 170 or more rushing yards once before this season. They've done that three times in four games. Here's what DJ Reader, their number one run stopper, said after the last game. Quote, it's a will thing. You have to want to do it. Sometimes guys don't want to do it. You have bad technique, and that's a product of you not wanting to do it that play. Have I given you enough to yeah. realize that whatever you thought of Cincinnati before the year is not there? It is not. And so I will let you guys handle the rest of the Arizona evaluation because I think there are a lot of good things that you can say about Arizona. The best money line number I can find on Arizona right now is plus 144. The best alt at two and a half that I can find is about plus 187. The best alt at minus five and a half that I can find on Arizona is at about 257 right now. And I can endorse any of them that you want to play because this Cincinnati team is a shell on both sides. I almost think if they lose this game, they should punt on the season. You can't afford to pay chase and Higgins pay chase, let Higgins walk, use your high draft pick on one of these receivers in the draft and like, go from there, right? I mean, it's just, I actually sold it short, Stephen. Last season, Joe Burrow ran 75 times for 257 yards, five touchdowns, and 28 first downs. 28 first downs that he picked up with his legs last year. If that, again, just to let you know what is missing from this offense is the guy that can go and extend drives and, ext and, and move the chains and keep this going that is just non-existent he has he has eight attempts for three yards this year eight for three is what we have going on right now with with joe burrow so again it's just he's injured he should be sitting on the sideline that's but we me and you can't coach the team so it is what it is well apparently he's healthy because he's off the injury report yeah guys. i know i know yeah we know we know yeah He's not yeah. healthy, everybody. No. He's not healthy just because he's off the injury report. Oh, by the way, T. Higgins apparently is going to play with a fractured rib this week. That's yeah. how desperate this team is. <laughs> he's trying to get paid is why he's doing that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right, Cardinals offense, top 10 in yards per play in the NFL a month into the season, despite having games on the schedule against Dallas and San Francisco. Uh, top six in rushing offense by EPA and success rate. Part of that, Josh Dobbs, top three in the NFL and designed quarterback runs behind only Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. That's why one of our staff writers, Jeffrey Schreiber, is pinpointing Dobbs for an anytime touchdown in this game, FYI. Uh, the Cincinnati defense has been just as bad as the Cincinnati offense, to Adam's point. 
And I think we have to come off the priors on Arizona here that they are not even close to the worst team in the mm-hmm. NFL at this point. They've been impressive. And I think the Eagles coaching staff last season has proven to be one of the best in a very long time. Uh, this has been fantastic. So um, I also grabbed Cardinals plus four and a half, shared it in the Discord with our lines.com free Discord members. Uh, I think at this point at three um, – yeah, it I, might I go back Adam to three and a half, though. It's an expensive three as we're recording this. So, like, yeah. it, it might go to three and a half. And, like, as Adam talked about with a couple of these other games, whenever they announce officially, you know, officially blah, blah, blah is going to play and blah, you know, whatever. Like, it, you might get the three and a half. And if you get the hook, then then that would be the time to, to pounce. It's not going to go under three for sure. So I you're agree. not going to get a worse. Yeah. I'm agreed. I, I think we're all, all three of us are in agreement that we you just can't bet Cincinnati at this mm-hmm. point. And I've I've heard other shows talk about buying low on the Bengals, and this is the cheapest we've seen. And if it's not now, then ever. They're injured. Like it, yeah. it's all that. All those arguments make sense if they were healthy. They're not healthy. So if you're really desperate to like try and buy low on the Bengals for some reason, don't play them on the spread. Just take the over 44 and a half because Arizona's defense is bottom six in everything. Mm-hmm. Like the defense is horrible. And I just laid out a really good case, I think, for why the Cardinals offense is going to be able to move the ball in this game as well. So um, but I'm with you. I'd rather just, you know bet against injuries once again in this game. New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. Broncos are two and a half point home favorites over the Jets. 43 and a half is your total. I don't know what to say about the Jets performance last week. I mean, we saw Zach Wilson look okay, question mark. I I mean, we saw it look okay, question mark. Uh, The Broncos, we talked about this on the pod last week. The Broncos offense has actually been pretty good. All year. And and if you look at the advanced metrics, the offenses continue to be pretty good. I mean, like it is a pretty decent offense. Now the defense is complete gutter trash. And I think there's a point in which on the jet side of things, we talk about, you know, we've talked a lot about this in this podcast, guys, but I think this is a good point that where it's not necessarily on players or on teams as a whole, but maybe even on just units. I think we can look at the Jets defense now as good, but not great. I think we've like latched on that this is like a top two, three unit where like, you know what? They're probably more like top 10, 12, which is still really, really good, but it's not like they are super elite and you cannot do anything on them whatsoever because that's just not the case, at least in through, through four games so far in the season. And so I think I need to back off of this like, oh, the Jets defense is so incredibly elite that they're always going to be in, you know, these games, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I I don't think that that's necessarily where I'm going to be in the next couple of weeks, uh, Steven. So I did play a Broncos ticket when when it under three under a field goal. I think they'll have enough success on the offensive side of the ball. And even as bad as his defense has been. I don't expect a repeat performance from Zach Wilson this week. I mean, you know, listen, we've we have seen flashes with Zach Wilson before for, you know, a quarter for two quarters, maybe even a full game. But it has never been repeat performance. It's never been repeatable with him. And so I'm going to bank on history here that this dude is going to go out and look more like himself this week than he has in years past. I mean, than he, than he did last week. And with that, I'll take the under a field goal in the Broncos at home in the altitude, all the different things like that. I agree. And I thought uh, Eli in his best bets article this week made an excellent point about Zach Wilson that, you know, all the hype of them looking better and playing better against Kansas city. 
he still had a 36.4% dropback success rate last week, fourth lowest among qualified quarterbacks. So the amazing Zach Wilson game last week really wasn't all that amazing. It was, uh, you know, turnovers by Patrick Mahomes throwing kind of some head scratching picks to the Jets, which were kind of similar to the head scratching picks that Josh Mm -hmm. Allen threw against the Jets in week one, because statistically here, at least on paper, the Jets defense is bottom six against the pass by EPA and success rate. So how good is the Jets defense really? And to your point about the Broncos offense, uh, Russ Wilson's starting to cook here, ladies and gentlemen, number two in the league in completion percentage over expected top six in EPA and success rate number seven graded quarterback by PFF in a matchup I think is exploitable overall top 10 passing offense by EPA and success rate. I bet Denver under a field goal. Eli bet Denver under a field goal as well. And I am all aboard fading the, uh, the Zach Wilson hype after one week. Adam, what say you in the battle of the Jets and Broncos? So we have the opportunity to bet against the Zach Wilson narrative, huh? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because last week, last week when um, last week when Zach Wilson uh, made himself the new darling of New York, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Jets scored 20 points, right? The, the Jets, <laughs> Jets scored 20. And this week going into Denver on the road at altitude against a defense that gets a three-time all-pro free safety back into the lineup along with one of its better edge rushers and one of its starting linebackers. I know they've been gutter trash, but the Jets Mm -hmm. have a 20 and a half team total here right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get involved in betting on Denver because I want nothing to do with betting on this Denver team. But I sure as hell will bet against the New York Jets. Without question, I will bet Mm -hmm. against Zach Wilson and the New York Jets and say team total under 20 and a half for the Jets, even if I think Denver is going to put them in a game state to have to throw the ball more. I still do not see how the Jets, barring a defensive touchdown, are going to be able to get over 20 and a half points in Denver. Yeah, Adam, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, Frank Clark, Josie Jewell, and Justin Simmons all back for Denver this week on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they have been absolutely atrocious, but that is three starters that are back at full strength here for this team. So something that we need to take into consideration when we're doing the handicap for this game. All right, boys, this is uh, Chiefs and Vikings. Points galore, right? 52 and a half to 53 is our total. Chiefs, three and a half on the road against the Vikings. Uh, Adam, we saw a, what would you say? A a bottom 10% outcome for Patrick Mahomes last week. Maybe a bottom 5% outcome for Patrick Mahomes last week. It looked more like it was Jackson Mahomes out there playing as opposed to Patrick Mahomes. Some of those, some of those passes that he was throwing. I mean, just like really, really true, like head scratchers. Like I didn't even, I didn't even get it. Um, so I think we're getting a little bit of recency bias in this, that they're only three and a half against the Vikings. But look, we know what we get in the Vikings, right? It's going to be super blitz heavy. Now they did have, they have backed off a little bit on that the past two weeks. And so they're not going at 65% of the time. They're going more at 50, 50% of the time. So they did back off at least a little bit of that this week. You'd like to think they back off it a little bit more because Patrick Mahomes destroys the blitz, but we shall see. 
What do you think of the Vikings and the Chiefs here sitting at three and a half? This is so hard to figure out this line move. Uh, I, I have a very difficult time understanding this coming from six <laughs> all the way down to three and a half, barring an injury because of the fact that Kansas City's defense is still good, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand where we're looking at the Vikings. And again, we talked about your priors versus what you've seen. Yes, they've had enormous turnover luck go against them. And yes, we expect that a Justin Jefferson-led offense and a Kirk Cousins-led offense is going to break out at some point because they have been able to move the ball up and down the field, but what they have not been able to do is score points. And so I felt very fortunate with my second strongest play of the week last week being on Minnesota to get out of that game with a win because Kirk Cousins threw a Desmond Ritter-level pick six that swung 14 points in that game. Right. Minnesota should have put seven on the board and it became a 99 yard pick six for Carolina. So I felt very fortunate to get out of that game. So I'll tell you how I feel about this, because I don't want to be in the position of going against the market here in case there's something that I'm missing with Kansas City. I am going to go against the market and this idea. I actually think there's a case to be made for under in this game. Non Bears games for the Kansas City Chiefs so far. They scored 23 last week against the Jets in a game in which they went out and blitzed out to 17 points and then scored six more. They scored 20 against the Detroit Lions and they scored 17 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even if you think that Patrick Mahomes is going to eat against the Minnesota Vikings, I'm not sure that we can trust a that Kansas City is going to go out there and put 30 points on the board and b that Minnesota is suddenly going to start being able to cash in these drives against a Kansas City defense that we've all said on this podcast is way better than we thought they were going to be. So it's slightly contrarian. I know that's not usually the way that I come at these things, but I do think there's a case to be made for an under, and I know that I'll probably be coming back here next week and saying, hi, I'm the moron who said the Minnesota Vikings against Kansas City indoors we're going to go under. Yeah, but Adam, shh, I'm going to I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret here. The Kansas City offense is graded by Pro Football Focus at 17th in the NFL so far mm. through four games. That's in the bottom half of the NFL, guys. Like it's a, it's the dirty little secret that like because the defense is so good that they're still winning these games and keeping everything like but like they're not they haven't been that great and Patrick Matt, Mahomes has do you not remember been that great. do you remember what I said in the preseason was my concern about Kansas City if I had to pick one thing that I was concerned about with with the Chiefs do you remember that their star tight end was going to start dating the most famous uh, pop star <laughs> in the world yep I remember that <laughs> I do I do too yeah no yeah. I, I said I was concerned about their two new tackles on their offensive line and they've been horrible uh, and Jawan Taylor has not only been horrible, he's like one of the most penalized tackles in the league, too. So I think that's been a big problem as well. Um, I I have not been shy about going against sharp action on this podcast over the past three years. And I think it's fair to say I've had some moderate success doing that. Uh, but I've never seen it with the Chiefs, not once. So this is kind of making me pause and wonder if I'm missing something as well. So. 
Um, I certainly see that the Minnesota offense has been fantastic and it's just turnovers that are killing them. But I also think Kirk Cousins has deserved a lot of those turnovers. Like that he's just being a bonehead, whether it's been the fumbles or the interceptions. Nevertheless, they're top five in the league in net yards per play this year. So if they can clean up the turnovers, then yeah, I think they can keep pace with Kansas City. So um, I just don't think this defense can stop Mahomes, to be honest with you. Like I know they aren't grading out well through the first month, Matt, but isn't this the matchup that gets them right? Number one blitz rate in the league, and Mahomes is the best blitz killer in the NFL. Last year, is top five when blitzed by EPA, and also top five when he had less than two and a half seconds to throw the ball. So, um, if they're if they're going to send all out blitzes, I think he's going to tear this 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 defense up. So, this is kind of like the Ravens, where I'm pretty confident the Chiefs win this game. I'm just not sure I want to lay more than a field goal. So I got creative and you know did one of those little alt spread parlays with another leg I like here, and um, you know get the Chiefs under three, and you can get like around plus 150, plus 160 with another uh, leg there. I chose the 49ers under a field goal to get plus 160, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I'm not sure I'm seeing. I, I respect the the sharp action on Minnesota to get this lower and closer to a field goal, but I still think the Chiefs win this game. Yeah, Adam, to kind of go back to all this, like indoors and whatever, not like as you're mentioning, what I actually see in in this with all that is like I see Mahomes with the ball and 57 seconds left and they get to like the 38 yard line or whatever. And then we bomb up a Harrison Butker 56 yarder <laughs> at the buzzer to win by three. And you go, Oh, I knew I should have taken the three, taken the three in the hook with the Vikings. But it's like, no, you shouldn't. You had six earlier in the week. You had four You had So it's just, it's not bettable to me. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's just not bettable yeah. to me. This is like, this has Harrison Butker 56 yarder at the buzzer written all over it. You know, it, it does. And and I want to, I can almost give the contrarian to my contrarian and say that Kansas City should have had seven more against Jacksonville at the end. They decided yeah. to sit on it. Should have had seven more against the, the Jets at the end of it. Decided to sit on it. But what I have in response to my response to my response is that ultimately <laughs> this Chiefs team, we're still waiting to see it consistently with the yeah. performance outside of Travis Kelsey, right? Like we've gotten good Travis Kelsey when he's played, but I've heard arguments for Rasheed Rice. I've heard arguments for it being uh, more Isaiah Pacheco. Again, if it's going to happen, this is when it's going to happen, but you're betting on if, and you're also doing that on Minnesota. If you're betting on Minnesota, you're betting on if you're betting on analytics, breaking through and trying to find an edge. Well, if you take both of those things and you're trying to bet on two ifs and saying that's where the points are going to come from for me i will happily take an under there bet basketball baseball or golf with a bonus bet of up to one thousand fifty dollars at BetMGM. sign up and use bonus code play bonus 50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks the lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code play bonus 50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to one thousand fifty dollars after your first bet visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions this is a new customer offer 21 years or older to wager 
Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Let's get you guys out of here. Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, Sunday night football, three and a half in favor of the 49ers at home over the Cowboys. 45 is your total. Well, Adam, it is, um, listen, it gets a game of the week. It's two Super Bowl contenders. It is like everything that we're looking for. You know, in trying to figure out, you know, the the mismatches and who has the advantage here, who has the advantage there, all this. If there was a three that popped on San Francisco, I'd probably play it. It's probably not going to get there. I think three and a half is pretty appropriate in all this. I really wish I had advanced analysis in all of this, but I think the 49ers are the better team. I'd want the push equity in the three if I could get there. I think three and a half is just a little bit, a little bit too much for me because I do believe still in the Dallas Cowboys. I think the total is about right. I think this game kind of plays into the 20s. What am I missing here? There has to be some sort of edge that that I'm missing. So I think the line is right, right? I I make it San Francisco three. I have no problem with it being three and a half because I think what you have in that line is you have a good adjustment for both home field and for Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy, right? You got it. You have a better quarterback in Dallas. And you probably have a better defense in Dallas, but you have a better offensive play caller in San Francisco. They have played the two weakest schedules in the NFL to date. So you can fairly say that you don't know a whole lot about either of these teams. Still, I didn't learn any more about Dallas last week in wrecking Mac Jones, because what we've seen to give us a good impression of Dallas is wrecking Daniel Jones, wrecking Zach Wilson and wrecking Mac Jones. So what do we know about them right now? On the other side, we've had the Brock Purdy conversation over and over again. It doesn't matter whether he's good. I went back and looked at Brock Purdy versus Dallas in the playoffs last year, and Kyle Shanahan essentially didn't make him win the game. And I think Kyle Shanahan can always put him in a situation to not have to win the game. So the edge for me is maybe on and over maybe on a slight overrate of San Francisco's defense at this point of the year against an Arizona team that last week, if Zach Ertz can put two hands on the ball at the end of the game, they would have given up 24 to Arizona. So I think the only way that I would get involved, uh, and this is echoing some sharper people that I've listened to is over 45, but otherwise I'm passing. Steven, we, we look two good, two good teams. We, we, I think we all agree on that. Two good defense. I think we all agree on that. Two premier pass rushers in the league. We all agree on that. There, there's so much that you kind of go tit for tat with each of these teams, right? I think just at the end of the day, there's an addition. There's just one more weapon. There's just one more everything on the San Francisco side for me, which is why I do lean in that direction. 
Uh, I want the flat three. You and I were talking about this earlier in the week. You want the flat three as well to try to get there with all this. I don't know if we're going to get it. We know Cowboys are a popular team. So maybe as we head into the Island game, maybe they get some last minute love and we get an expensive three, but that's kind of where, where I sit with all this. There's not a whole lot that separates these two teams in my mind, but like I said, there's just one more thing along the way on it. There's one more weapon on San Francisco's offense. There's one more player on the defense. There's just one more, everything that kind of leans me in that direction. One of the, the biggest things that stood out to me is Dallas's complete drop in red zone offense and converting red zone mm-hmm. possessions into touchdowns to the first month of the season. Right. And I think that's directly related from going from Kellen Moore to McCarthy. So, Right now, the Chargers are top five in the NFL in red zone touchdown rate after being 54% last year. They've gone from 54 to 69% this year. Meanwhile, the Cowboys have gone from 71% last year red zone touchdown rate to 37% through the first month of the season this year. I believe that is McCarthy. I mean, I, I think Kellen Moore is a great play caller. So, uh, San Francisco, by the way, much better than that uh, in converting red zone possessions. They're seventh in the league, converting 67% of the time. Um, Just to kind of go along with what you're saying, like just a slight edge in talent to San Francisco. Dallas's defense is number 13 in pressure rate this season, but they require a top 10 blitz rate to pull that off. San Francisco has the number 11 pressure rate this season, but they are bottom 10 in blitz rate. That's going to make it tough for Dak Prescott. And the other side of this too that I'll just mention is that the the Dallas Cowboys may be able to take advantage of that 49ers offensive line. That is where my concern is because, quite frankly, both of these teams have played cupcake schedules to start the year. I think the 49ers have probably played a little bit tougher of a schedule, but – Other than Trent Williams on the 49ers offensive line, the pass blocking grades of the other four guys uh, are not are not numbers that inspire confidence. So just put it that way. So uh, I still think slight edge here to San Francisco. I do have them rated higher. Uh, This isn't going to help the three of us, but I think for a lot of our audience, it will help if you shop around because this game is so big on Sunday night football. Sports books are giving you odds boost for Sunday night football. And you can take an alt spread of Niners minus two and a half, get it under a field goal, use that odds boost and get it to normal juice or better at minus 110 or better. So that's the angle I would play if if people are looking to play San Francisco should help at least the majority of our audience. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free here at the line. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section, what's your bet of the week? What game do you think we got wrong in our handicap? And what do you uh, what do you have confidence in from a contest standpoint this week as well? Let us know again. Head over to the lines.com. Upper right-hand corner is the Discord button. Uh, you heard Steven reference that a couple of different times throughout the course of the podcast. That's absolutely free as well. You can get in there, talk NFL all day, every day, if you want to, with everybody over at the staff. For Adam. For Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Week 5 bets.